Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Mikey Mikey. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Shane Shane Dudley Dudley. (laughs) Uh, It's just a funny thing to be. It's like, what if if it was my name twice? (laughs) Welcome to episode 156, Hardcore Heaven 1995. The hardcorest heaven there ever was. At least this year. Yes. Yeah, it's like hardcore heaven. Is that not just hell? I don't know. Heaven, it'd, it'd be like heaven with an obstacle course. There's seven layers of hell, so, I mean, <laughs> is hardcore heaven like the worst heaven? Yeah, or is hardcore heaven like, like, like heaven. Is, is it like sexy heaven, or is it, or is it violent heaven? <laughs> so where you're like running around for, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week with people chasing after you, trying to pin you? <laughs> Yeah, with uh, bats covered in, <laughs> in razor wire and uh, chairs and frying pans. So this was a super card produced by ECW. It would take place on July 1st, 1995 in the ECW arena in where else but Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Philly, Philly. With an attendance of 1,150 people. They got an extra 150 in there for the... You know, holiday weekend, I guess. Yeah, people sitting on laps, standing on shoulders, something. I'm not going to lie. Rafters. As they were like, as I was watching, I kept trying to figure out, is this the same place they always do it? Because it just looks extra small today. But maybe that's because there's 1,150 people in there instead of 1,000. Just the, yeah, just to those extra 150. Makes it all. Make, turns Make it. Yeah, it turns difference. it from bingo hall to MSG. Yep. <laughs> and when two thirds of them are the size of Hack Myers, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but we are in Philly. Yeah, we are. So what did Shane bring us this week? Well, it's getting difficult with Philly. As I'd mentioned via text message earlier in the week, uh, I had ordered some signature Philly snacks, but unlike the the little burger cookies that we ordered from Massachusetts or wherever the hell they were from, Maryland. Maryland. Uh, I was just thinking about those. I was like, where were those from? They did not show up as quickly as I was hoping to. So hopefully by the next Philly show, we'll have a, a wide variety of Philly snacks to enjoy over four or five or seven episodes. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Is like cream cheese flavored potato chips? No. Ketchup flavored potato oh. chips. <laughs> Ketchup chips. Yes. But... I decided, all right, let's find a, a cocktail. It was a nice day today. Needed something refreshing and citrusy and, and sweet and delicious. Yeah. One of the popular things in the Philadelphia slash Pennsylvania area is water ice or Italian ice. This is a play on that. This is a, as it says on here, because I guess you have to say it with the proper accents. A cherry water ice. Water ice. Water. Water. Yeah. Cherry water ice. It is an alcoholic cocktail with some cherry vodka, some Sprite, squeeze of lime, a little bit of grenadine, 
and then garnished with some lime and maraschino cherries. It's like an adult Shirley Temple. Yes, or cherry limeade, yeah, something okay. like that. Very sweet, very, it's it's like liquid candy. But Let's it's just delicious. say, I'm going to go for seconds here yes. in a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, less, what, like a cherry sour, the little candies kind of? Cheap, so, easy, delicious, just like me. The, uh, yeah, it is very good. So yeah, cherry water ice. Matt's already downed his before we even got rolling. I I've been slowly sipping. Like, mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I figured, you know, after some funky beer cocktails, I'd get you something <laughs> I, that I, I know you'd like. <laughs> yeah, but no, this is uh, this is nice, a nice, uh, like, you know, it feels like a, uh, like a trashy poolside drink. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, you could freeze it and make popsicles, and it'd be just as good. Oh, wow, yeah. Well, some stuff that happened right around the same time as this show, the same weekend... Three blockbuster films would hit theaters. Mm-hmm. In Apollo 13. Houston, we have a problem. Judge Dredd. Stallone. And the mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Uh, it's Morphin time. I remember I liked the movie. Because I was never a big Power Rangers guy, but there was a kid. I had a babysitter, and the kid was a little bit, her son was a little bit younger than me, but... He was like, he's like, I know you're not a really big fan of the show, but the movie's awesome. And he, we watched the movie, and I was like, you know what? The movie was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I remember liking it. I know it takes place mostly in like a jungle or something. Is that true? They do go to the jungle okay. to... No, that's Turbo. That's Turbo, the movie. I think there's a jungle in the first one. This, I'm talking about the first movie. It's the only one I've seen. It's got like all it's the... Ooze is the bad guy. Oh, it's been so long. Hmm. Trying to remember. I, I want to say, I know I've seen the first Power Rangers movie, but it's been a long time since I've seen the first Power Rangers movie because I'm old like that. But, like, how I often? Mean, it was only 27 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like, uh, how often are you going to rewatch the Power Rangers since then? I mean, I rewatched it, like, last year. Yeah. But you're, um, a, like, a, a Power Rangers fan. Okay, no, you're right. Okay. They did. It was a distant planet. It's where they meet uh, the hot chick, and that was the, kind of the only reason why people like were like, "Oh, hey." Oh, really? All I remember is a jungle and maybe like a pyramid esque thing, or at least like some Indiana Jones esque stuff. Yeah, I don't really remember much about it. I remember watching it because I figured, uh, I already watched the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. I may as well see what Power Ranger movie is about. And I think once was enough. Actually, it was um, Marishka Harkate. Was the alien ah. that they meet in the jungle? Oh, the SVU so this lady. This was her yeah. her pre ER days. Well, it was supposed to be her, but she got fired, and so another lady. But it was originally supposed to be. Supposed to be day, huh? Yeah. Wow. So they hired uh, a different lady, and that's who the who you're talking about is the hot chick. Yeah. Grizz- isn't her dad Grizzly Adams or something like that? I have no idea. Who? Mariska Hargitay. I'm trying to remember now. We're going down a steep uh, <laughs> Power Rangers hole. When we're, when there's Judge Dredd and and I believe did it win the Academy Award? Did Apollo thirteen win the Academy Award? Probably not. Yeah. Maybe it was a huge movie. Yeah, I, I don't see anything about her dad being a parents. Let's see, Mickey Hargitay. Oh yeah, her her mom was Jane Mansfield. That's what I knew. She had a famous uh, parent. Okay, but enough about her. Yeah, anywho. She, was, she, wasn't, she even wasn't even in the movie. That's right. She got I, just always, I always find that a fun yeah. like side note. That's fun. You know what? I've never actually seen the original Dread movie all the way through. Judge Dread. I've seen the 
Carl Urban one uh, multiple times. Which is much better than the Sylvester Stallone one. So I've heard. That movie is that's very, very good. Who's the... Is it Wesley Snipes that's in that one? Or... or no, he's Demolition no, Man. No, Sandra Bullock is... See, that's what I was trying to remember. Was she in Demolition Man or was she in... Well, she was in Demolition Man. Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd, too. She might have been. We should totally do more research before we talk about these things. I mean, we're... It's like, I haven't seen Judge Dredd. I mean, I've watched Apollo 13 plenty of times. Uh, yeah, dude. Oscar nominated. No, it's Diane Lane. I'm sorry. Okay, there we go. Diane Lane, that's right. Rob Schneider and Armand Asante. Armand Asante. You know what I think of first when I think of Apollo 13? I don't know. Uh, just Ed Harris and how okay. awesome he is. <laughs> Apollo 13 is actually one of my favorite movie-going experiences of all time. Went on July 4th with my dad. Like, one of the few times that my dad, like, ever, like... Went to the movies? Went to the movies. We got to the theater, and it was pretty much sold out. So we had to sit on the front row, which I absolutely hate. But for that movie... You're into it. I was fine, because literally, I'm in the front row... And all of a sudden, it blasts off to go into space, and it's just like the whole theater shaking. And <laughs> yeah. it's just like, okay, this is kind of cool. Also, yeah. the movie's visually stunning for the time. I'm sure it still looks great today. Uh, it still looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it gave my... you an excuse to go back and see it again. I watch it. Back. I watch it many, many times since. Yeah, then. I mean, this was a a staple of uh, cable and uh, VHS. I'm pretty sure most homes had a copy of this on VHS. Yep, this was you know Tom Cruise going or Tom Cruise. Wow, Tom Hanks. Going for a, uh, you know, attempting a three-peat, but it didn't happen at the Oscars. Not quite, not quite. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, one of them, Philadelphia, is deserved. I don't know if he needed best the Best Actor Award for this one. He was good for Gump, too. I mean, yeah, but Horace Gump's overrated movie. I don't care, it was still good. <laughs> Tom Hanks is great. He should win an award for everything he does. Carly Ray Jepsen music videos. Oh, yeah. You should win an award for that, too. That's pretty crazy he was in that. He's Tom See? Hanks. That thing for like, you do. Yeah, for like a C, C-list pop star. If you're ever having a bad day, no, pop no in shade. that thing you do, and oh, yeah. you're just instantly better. The Owen Eaters. That's right. Didn't he direct that? Yeah. yeah. Is that the only movie he's directed? No. Probably not. I think so. But I think that was one of his first, though. I think it was his first. Yeah. Apollo 13, great movie. Tom Hanks, Gary Sinise, Ed Harris. Judge Dredd. Okay-ish, if you like the '90s action. I always think film. about watching it, but I know that there's no way it's better than Demolition Man. No, and I and I think of those Demolition two movies Man. like in my head. Just I think it's because the like poster and font and like just the look of the movies in general was kind of similar. So like I know Judge Dredd, I've read Judge Dredd comic books, so I like, know they're very different. But like in my head, they would sell them on one of those DVDs that's like two sided. Like oh, Judge Dredd and Demolition Man. Be the B side movie for eight ninety five. <laughs> you gotta flip the disc over. And then Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. If you like it, I mean it's it's there. It might... Watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Secret of the Ooze. It's better. Oh yeah, both of the. And you know you've got the ooze factor there anyway. So actually, pretty much all of the turtle movies are better than the Power <laughs> Ranger movies. You know what was kind of fun? The Power Rangers reboot movie. The fan-made the, one? The new, no. <laughs> it was kind of fun. No, the one that from a couple years ago. Yeah, the new one was fun. Yeah, I liked it as well. Yeah, it was one of those where I was just at a friend's house or whatever, and, uh, like, somebody, co- somebody put lo- it on. I didn't love and the costumes. Did you watch the little the YouTube fan, dark the fan-made movie? fan-made one was... Oh, no. That awesome. one made me really, really want them to make that, because you've got, I mean, of all people, James Vanderbeek. 
making oh. a, an appearance in it as... Yeah. I think he was the Red Ranger. Yeah, he was one of the Rangers. I couldn't remember which one. But, oh, he's James Vanderbeek. But yeah, it's basically this you know dark twist of a ranger setting out to take out the other rangers. And you know, oh, yeah. it's like usual suspect style deal where he's at the table being... Or interviewed and questioned and whatnot, and it's just you know a story told in flashbacks and whatnot. And that's fun. Yeah, if you've never seen it, it's worth your time on awesome. on the YouTube. Yes, that's cool. You don't have to be a Power Rangers fan to watch it and think, yeah, this needs to be a fucking movie <laughs> and appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, but also about three years ago, something happened with us. Oh, yeah. What'd you guys do? We started this show. <laughs> hey, if you've listened to all 156 uh, episodes, you're a fucking freak. <laughs> we applaud you. We applaud yeah. you. And yeah. Thank you. And mm-hmm. Yes. I wasn't here for the first 60-something. Yeah, is he proof that uh, you stick around, uh, you just keep listening, and it just keeps getting better? That's right. Well, we, we hope so. We do hope so. <laughs> Just because the wrestling doesn't get better to, you know, doesn't have a mean celebratory that... something that actually tasted good and you didn't just have to push away and only have a sip of. I know, right? That's why I may have another one. It's our anniversary. <laughs> yeah. No, this thing, after you take one sip, it's just like, all right, well, mm-hmm. I could just throw you this could, thing back. Yeah. yeah, you could finish it. It's one of those that you can't really even taste the alcohol in it. So you could easily add more and probably be okay, or you could leave the recipe the same. And just drink a ton of it. And, it's like a cherry zima. Mm, oh, but without that... Syrupy sugar. Yeah, that cough medicine, rubbing alcohol. <laughs> but if anyone wants blend. to send us any gifts, leather is the three-year version. Oh. Leather. Really? I well, didn't know that. Kinky. We'll take all the leather you want to send us. Whoopsh. <laughs> but let's move off on <laughs> leather will do. Hardcore Heaven 95. And we get the title of the show, followed by date and location. And we go straight to our first match. The Dudley Boys. What? Uh, I was saying boys, brothers, boys, brothers, boys, <laughs> as they kept saying in the match, brothers. Yeah, I guess they did say Dudley's brother to them. <laughs> yeah. So we head off to our first match. The Dudley Brothers of Dudley Dudley and Snot Dudley with Big Dick Dudley versus the Pitbulls of number one and number two with Raven, Stevie Richards, and Beulah McGillicuddy. And I don't know if you guys noticed when Raven and Stevie came out, but they had some belts with them. I saw that. They had won the ECW Tag Team Championships the night before from Public Enemy at a house show. Uh-oh. I mean, I guess you don't want Public Enemy to lose on your best-selling VHS tapes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, they're basically headline every damn show. But the match gets going with number one hammering away on Snot, delivering clotheslines and right hands before number two power slams and drop kicks him. Number one then continues with an arm wrench heel kick before tossing Snot to the corner, allowing him to make a tag. I like arm wrench heel kick quite a bit. I was like, oh, that's nice. I could, I could see more of these more often. Also, is he little Snot? I feel like they were calling him Little Snot. I'm trying to remember snot, what it was. Little Snot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Joey was calling him Little Snot. But... Yeah, Little Snot's very funny. See, so, yeah, I was all. looking at it. I just like that name. Looking at the name, like I knew there was something else before, but the only thing that was coming into my mind was Snot Face, but I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> little Snot. Dudley in number two then trade right hands when Dudley hits multiple clotheslines and a power slam. 
Snot comes back in only to miss an elbow drop, allowing the Pitbulls to send him outside and beat him up with a chair. Back in the ring, the Pitbulls hit a slingshot shoulder block as we see Stevie talking to his admirer once again when she starts kissing Richards. Beulah comes over to break it up, which starts a cat fight between the two women. It's it's about time. It's been a while since we've had a cat fight. Mm -hmm. I think the other ones have been in the ring. Raven has had enough with his two flunkies, so he grabs Stevie and Beulah by the hair (laughs) and drags them backstage. While in the ring, the Pitbulls deliver a super powerbomb to Snot. Number two makes the cover, only for Dudley Dudley (laughs) to come flying in with a double axe handle. Rolling Snot on top for the pin... And, and the win. win. So, n- not the Dudleys that we know. No. No? Can you tell me about these Dudleys? No. I know about as much as you do right Ooh, now. Ooh, okay. All right. They literally are here just in ECW. Yeah, and other guys get brought into the gimmick and they get phased out, I'd imagine. Uh, the Dudley brothers basically become like the biggest faction in ECW at one point when they have like seven people at one point. Yeah, yeah, it's like like the oddities later on. The the Dudley Order or Dark Order, whatever you want to call it, where there's... It's like, oh, we don't have anything to do with you. We'll just put you in tie-dye and call you a Dudley. Think of a funny name. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be Dudley Dudley. (laughs) We then go to ringside and Joey Styles is there with the Pitbulls. They're pissed. They have a serious problem and are sick and tired of Raven and Richards being unreliable. And they say they feel like a change is coming before number two calls Stevie a Uh, not very nice word. Yeah, a slur. Unacceptable. Damn pit bull number two. (laughs) It's like, I liked you, number two. (laughs) Hey, I mean, hey, it was the 90s. That's probably the only word that was used in in the ECW arena. (laughs) <laughs> you get a chance like that more often than uh, anybody would like. So we head off to our second match. Broad Street Bully and Chad Austin versus Dino Sendoff and Don E. Allen. Uh, is this the first ECW show? Are you sure this is Hardcore Heaven 95? Mm, right. Are you sure this isn't, yeah, whatever the first ECW show we covered was? Battle of the Belts. Battle of the Belts, yeah. This feels like a Battle of the Belts kind of yeah, uh, names floating around. upgraded the camera. Uh-huh. So we With haven't... special guest referee, Sal Palamo. <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't seen Austin since Return of the Funker, episode 145, and Donnie Allen since Hostile City Showdown 94, episode 122. The funny thing is I remember their names. I mean, they've been, they've been around for a while in ECW. Yeah. So Chad and Don started off with Allen hitting a back body drop and dropping a knee. Didn't he almost drop Chad Allen on his head with that back body drop? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, a little bit scary because I was pretty sure he was coming down on a, a broken neck. That's why these are the guys are the uh, this is the jobbers to the stars, stars quote unquote <laughs> match. This is why Chad Allen or Austin's jacket is more memorable than Chad Austin himself. Mm-hmm. Austin fires back with an eye rake, followed by a double-team back body drop with the help of Bully. The crowd starts chanting that you all suck. As Joey even says, this match isn't very good. (laughs) Damn, Joey. 
Broad Street Bully is tossed to the ropes by Don, but he ducks a clothesline on his way back, only to run into Chad, knocking him down to the floor. Bully then starts hammering away on Alan when music hits and the crowd erupts as 911 makes his way down to the ring. 911. So this is the chokeslam everybody match. Yes, as, <laughs> that's what 911 yeah. does. I was confused until 911 came out and I was like, oh, I get it. I see what this is. We get Polly chants by the crowd and then dangerously asks if they want some more. And they chant, we want 10. <laughs> yeah, they started that uh, a while ago. 911 grabs Don and Chad as Paul E. welcomes them to the EC fucking W before being choke slammed down. Right before it fades to black, we see Bill Alfonso peeking out from behind the curtain to see what's happening. As as we remember last time at an ECW show, one of the choke slams was for Bill Alfonso. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's dedicated right. to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Bill, biggest heel in the company. At this point, yes, sir. So we go to our third match, Big Molly versus Hack Myers. Mm-hmm. Now, Molly is Val Puccio, who we actually saw a couple weeks ago, with a name change, though Joey doesn't seem to have gotten that memo as he just continues to call him Val Puccio. But they announced him as Big Molly. Big Molly? Yeah. I thought they were just calling him Big Valley. Maybe that's what they said. Who knows? But I thought I heard um, Big Mouth. Philadelphia accent or, um, you know, not the greatest audio. So Big Molly is dissing the crowd and they don't seem to like him very much. And then he starts jawing with Hack. But Hack finally gets the match finally gets started. It takes a while. It, like, it's a good three minutes of just wasting time here. Valley, uh, yeah, Molly, um, Puccio, uh, really... The really, fat guy in the ring. He really likes yeah, uh, like having an argument with every single person in the front row. <laughs> the hack goes for a body slam, which hurts his back, allowing Molly to take control of forearms and punches, which the crowd chants shit every time he throws one, <laughs> instead of hack for yeah. Myers. Or Shaw. Or Shaw. I mean. Don't forget the Shaw's yeah. name. Hack Myers, I guess is his name. Myers comes back with left hands and a clothesline, and he starts stomping away on Big Molly. But after a reversed Irish whip, Molly delivers several avalanche splashes in the corner. Big Molly continues with a power slam and a splash in the middle of the ring, but misses an elbow drop as Hack rolls out of the way before laying an arm across Molly for the pin and, and the win. win. This guy's got... Um... You know, Yokozuna vibes. Of course, it's not. He can't even get up from an elbow drop. Yep. Yeah. I mean, at least Yokozuna could get up from an elbow drop. (laughs) Go another five minutes. Post-match, Puccio finally makes it to his feet to hit a couple more splashes on Hack before rolling out of the ring. Uh, A real one-trick pony. Yeah. So I feel like we may see another Uh, Puccio-Hack Myers match, guys. Mm -hmm. Aren't we excited? The, The Valley Smash. Valley Splash, I mean. Whatever. I won't spoil it. But I got some things to say about these guys. At a later date. <laughs> so we head to our fourth match. Two Cold Scorpio versus Taz. Oh, now we've... We're, now here we are. With Polly Dangerously. Two Cold is wearing orange and black. I know. To I was... get into the head of Taz. 
I mean, it's pretty disrespectful. Right. I would I wouldn't want to disrespect Taz. Too I mean, Too Cold does tall. is like a whole foot taller than him, but, but he's, he's not a suplex machine. He's about a couple inches thinner too. <laughs> yeah, a lean man. So the human suplex machine goes for a Tazplex early on, only for Scorpio to counter into an arm drag. Taz recovers to hit a clothesline to send Too Cold out to the floor to regroup. Back in, it's back and forth with the two trading head locks and arm locks until the hum- human suplex machine catches Scorpio trying one too many leapfrogs and drills him with a belly-to-belly suplex. They go into a test of strength. With both men getting the advantage momentarily, before two cold monkey flips out of it, followed by a super kick and a power bomb. Scorpio then hits a double underhook suplex, a double throat thrust, and a forearm before a standing moonsault press. Two cold then climbs the ropes, coming off with a splash, only for Taz to get his knees up. I mean, after the standing moonsault man you can't just gotta get him while he's down don't get fancy the human suplex machine makes it to his feet first but Scorpio regains control with a rake of the eyes and a uranagi too cold then goes for another one only for Taz to block and drop Scorpio with a Tazplex he starts to crawl over to make the cover when too cold kicks him before delivering a tube stone pile driver Scorpio then heads up top and hits the tumbleweed. But the human suplex machine no-sells and gets right up. Grabbing Too Cold to hit a Tazplex for the pin and, and the, the win. win. But. But. Scorpio had his foot on the rope. He did. I saw it. That's true. So Bill Alfonso comes running down and orders the match to continue. Oh, so people actually agree with Bill Alfonso because he's right, and they saw it, and they're like, "Yeah, we want to see more of this." Also, his foot was on the rope, and we don't get to see many wrestling matches like this here. We'll get garbage later. We know we will. Paul E then gets in Fonzie's face, threatening to fight him, when Too Cold nails the human suplex machine out of nowhere with a chair. Dangerously turns to see what has happened, and Alfonso nails him from behind. Scorpio then sits the chair on Taz's face before heading up top for a flying leg drop, making the cover with Fonzie making the count for the pin and, and the win. win. More Scorpio Taz? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I love this because it brings in Bill Alfonso and it gives Taz a... It gives Too, Skull, Too Cold a win and Taz a loss with an out. So it's like, okay, well, I mean, it doesn't take anything away from Taz... And uh, it only adds to too cold some future heat from the, for the boy and for well maybe for Bill. Bill's just gonna get it no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> this was the one time he got cheered because people just wanted to see more of this. Didn't really have a whole lot to do with him. We go to the ring and Joey Styles is in it, shilling for the ECW hotline. Everyone's got a hotline these days. I know. Well, I wonder Who's what was on the that? ECW hotline. Well, it says that it has details about Shane Douglas and his negotiations with the WWF. Mm, so it's like the uh, dirt sheet tape recorder? Yes. <laughs> Douglas makes his way out to the ring, interrupting to tell everyone why he is leaving ECW. And the crowd starts singing, 
continues by saying he is too good for ECW and he's sick of all the fans who don't show him the respect he deserves. The crowd then starts chanting we want Flair. We want Flair. I mean, don't we all? Which is funny because that's been Shane's like rival doesn't like he's entire, calling out Flair this he, entire time. Yeah, they're just, they're just uh, you know, poking fun at him. And the franchise makes the announcement that he is gone by holding up a WWF t-shirt. But Woman makes her way out to the ring to confront Douglas, calling him the smartest man she knows. And she doesn't think Shane is going anywhere. And Woman makes Douglas a proposition to join her and Sandman to rule the world. Shane says that Woman is the most well-endowed female he's ever seen but that she's a huge douchebag <laughs> calling a, a lady a douchebag is funny <laughs> woman slaps douglas across the face but shane continues with if it's violence that gets her all hot and bothered go ahead and give me another woman goes to slap him again but douglas catches her arm and starts to threaten her until the Sandman can run out to make the save. All of a sudden, Cactus Jack then runs out as well to chase away Sandman and Woman. And Shane then tells Joey that he's going to give Sandman the lesson of his life tonight. Bum, bum, bum. I mean, you know, Douglas got to get another shot at Sandman before he goes up to Connecticut. Down to Connecticut. Where's Connecticut? It's up. Over. It's up. up. Yeah, over and up. This segment took way too long. I mean, we yes. love we love a Shane Douglas promo, but I agree completely. I was like, twelve minutes of the show. Well, the crowd the crowd just kept chanting stuff, and so it kept interrupting him a little bit. And it was one it was one of the few times when the ECW crowd was like, "Okay, guys, like we know we know it's you're having fun in games, but you need to kind of calm down here a little bit. Let the man talk." I mean, I guess some of the best Shane promos we have seen were taped ones. But, you know, there's been great ones in the ring, too. So we go to our fifth match. Raven and Stevie Richards with Beulah versus Tommy Dreamer and Luna Vachon for the ECW World Tag Team Championships. The champions came out first. Foreshadowing? Hmm. I'd like to see Luna with a belt. I know, right? First, one of our first intergender matches. Very true. Know. I believe so. I mean, we saw back at Sapphire and Dusty versus Macho and Elizabeth. I think that's the only other one Sherry. we've seen, or Sherry. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, but that like there was only women. Yeah, they were only faces. Yeah, yeah. So this one, like, yeah, it's true intergender here. Yeah, Luna. Luna doesn't she care what you are. We're just gonna say it right now, Luna holds her own. Yeah, she's a, a you know a whole bag full of crazy. Joey says innovator of violence when talking about Tommy. And I think that might be the first time we've heard that saying. Because that's his nickname. I think so. I was thinking the other day how when we first started watching and when Tommy Dreamer first started showing up in ECW, it's like, oh, he's got some pretty good like fundamentals. All out of the window. 
<laughs> he is uh, truly Sandman's rival in every way, in every like, you know, sense of it. <laughs> uh, but it was pretty funny that it was like, oh, I never, I never saw this side of Tommy Dreamer. Now he's all DDTs and frying pans. So Dreamer goes right after Raven, with them heading out to ringside to brawl, while Stevie goes after Luna inside the ring with a vertical suplex. Raven with a chair shot and goes for a vertical suplex, but Tommy blocks and reverses it into a DDT on the concrete. Dreamer then heads into the ring to help Luna as he holds Richards, allowing Vashon to grab a testicular claw. Testicular claw? Yeah, it's like, I don't really know what to say. She grabbed his nuts and squeezed them. <laughs> Tommy hits a fallaway slam, and Luna follows up with multiple swinging neckbreakers on Stevie. Dreamer then heads back out to ringside to continue the punishment on Raven, beating him with a TV antenna and a newspaper receptacle, which busts Raven open. Yeah, it's like one of the ones where you put a coin in and get the daily newspaper. The crowd, we were just talking about how they got a little carried away, but they just had one of my favorite chants ever after the testicular claw, where they started chanting uh, Stevie's name, but doing it in a falsetto because he just had his balls squeezed, yeah. <laughs> which was like, you you clever son of a bitch who ever started that chant. Vashon with a snap suplex and several turnbuckle smashes on Richards for a two count, followed by Tommy coming back to grab an ironing board to blast Stevie with. Raven then comes running down the aisle to hit a running knee on Dreamer before holding Luna, allowing Richards to hit her with the chair. Tommy and Raven brawl back up the aisle, where Dreamer gets his head smashed in the door of the newspaper receptacle, before being DDT'd onto it. That thing seems like the most dangerous like thing they've... I mean, granted, there's all kinds of dangerous things in this arena at any given time, but it's like, that's just a giant like iron box. <laughs> Raven and Stevie start double-teaming Vashon with a double snap suplex and double DDT. And the ref makes Raven get out of the ring, so he's slow to make a count, allowing Luna to kick out at two. I'm like, all this other stuff's going on, we're going to be a stickler about someone being in the ring to make a count? I mean, you know, if... Uh, if I mean, it wasn't Bill Alfonso following He's got to pay rules. attention one time. Yeah, it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna have rules, let's have rules. Uh, that's why I'm a proponent for rules, and you know, because they can take you out of it sometimes. Where I was like, okay, this would totally make sense if we weren't just like not counting people out and hitting them with chairs in the ring outside of the ring. So Raven's out on the apron and he starts doing his pose to the crowd while Stevie climbs the turnbuckles. When Raven trips, causing him to get his arms tied up and crotching Richards. Vashon then brings Stevie down with a superplex, but Beulah hops in the ring to throw powder into her face, allowing Richards to make the cover for the pin and, and the win. win. It's a real um, Rube Goldberg device of a finish. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was, it was, it was way, way too much like going on there. Like I you had could to, tell what was going had, on the whole I time. I had to rewind oh, it really? kind of like just to make sure I was like, okay, did Did all five of those things just happen? <laughs> yeah, I was like, did he literally accident <clears throat> accidentally fall off the apron to trip up? I was just like there's it's so funny, much better yeah. ways of doing that. And then like him getting caught in the ropes, you just see Tommy wrap his arms around 
it just seems like he does it completely independently. Like he's not selling some kind of move or whatever. Yeah. He just like hits the ropes and is like, oh, this is the time to do that. It's like, yeah, we could have done, you know, one of these things. He could have just sh- shook the rope. Stevie Richards could have crotched himself. She could have done the powder. I mean, but I, hey. I, th- I think it would have made more sense if like Dreamer had come and like hit him with a hit him with something to bounce him into the ropes and made him fall. Mm-hmm. That would have made more sense. But he literally just trips and then gets arms caught up yeah. and knocks the ropes to which crotches Richards like I said a little too much there going on we then go to the ring Todd Gordon the commissioner of ECW is there and he calls out Bill Alfonso letting him know that since he's been enforcing the rules so much lately he's naming him the referee for the very next match because it's one with no rules. Bum, bum, bum. Take so we, that, Billy. So we got our sixth match. Axel Rotten versus Ian Rotten in a Taipei death match. Hey, man, you can't have the same match every time. So in a Taipei death <laughs> or match, can you? both men have their hands taped up and then have shards of glass glued to the tape. Yeah, as uh, like Axel was walking ringside somebody reached out and grabbed him and actually pulled a piece of glass off of his it was like oh this like, actually it's is real. real yeah yeah <laughs> this yeah this is a budweiser bottle <laughs> so as soon as axel throws the first punch ian starts bleeding and fonzie wants to end the match due to a vision being impaired then all of a sudden the gangsters and public enemy are brawling in the aisle as cops and security are trying to break it apart. Gangsta invasion. I wonder if gangsters had anything to do with the uh, public animals in the belts the night before. Mm. It's very possible. Since they're you know, fighting you with them know. instead of the, the little Stevies. Alfonso yells out that he wants the gangsters and public enemy to be arrested and sit out of the building. And he even leaves the ring going down the aisle to help. I mean, these guys got it covered. Ian and Axel, it's no rules. Todd Gordon then grabs the mic and restarts the rotten match. He's like, fuck Bill Alfonso. Yeah. This match is happening. If you want blood, you've got it. So the rotten start brawling once again, using the glass on each other's foreheads and arms as Jim Molino rolls in to officiate. Ian finally hits a low blow, followed by a headbutt to the gut and hitting a DDT, but he doesn't make a cover. Instead, he rolls out to grab a bag of thumbtacks. I mean, you know, if the glass isn't going to do it, the thumbtacks will? The glass is scarier to me. Ian pours (coughs) out the bag in the middle of the ring and sets up for a pile driver, only for Axel to reverse into a back body drop, then delivers a splash for the pin... And, and the win. That is like the patented thumbtack spot. Yes. You got a backdrop on the thumbtack. Either it's a DDT or a pile driver of some sort into them so it goes into their head and you back body drop them. Yeah. So yeah. someone takes a flat back on it. I mean, then the pop when someone actually head goes into it, which happens from time to time. Pretty yeah. gross. These guys are bloody. They are very bloody. And I literally only said that they punched each other a couple times, like... Like, literally, it went on for, like, 
seven minutes. Yeah, but like all they were doing just was literally punching. just punching each other. What else can glass. they do? Their cans yeah. are covered in glass. Like they're it's legitimately covered in glass. These guys are a double crimson mask match is what it is. The show then cuts to Luna Vachon slamming Stevie Richards' head into an apron while Tommy Dreamer and Raven are brawling in the ring. Yeah, I was all confused by that. Like, I guess it, happened later. Back in the it happened later in the show, but the way they edited it, it was they put it right here, which I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, they, just want us, they just want us to know what's up on the feud. Luna hits a vertical suplex inside the ring on Richards before Raven cracks her over the head with his title belt. Raven continues by hitting a DDT of Tommy onto the belt as well before the Pitbulls make their way out to the ring. Uh-oh. Stevie's telling the Pitbulls to super bomb Vashon, but they keep trying to pick up Dreamer instead, only for Richards to continuously tell him that he wants Luna, not Tommy. And Pitbull's like, yeah, we're the Pitbulls, but... Yeah, we're not going to beat her up. We're going to beat him up, because that's yeah, they, what we do. They just continue to refuse... So Stevie shoves number one, while number two gets nailed with a chair by Raven. The Pitbulls then start going after Richards and Raven, hitting a double suplex on Raven and attempt to superpower bomb Stevie. But the Dudley brothers run out to make the save. The Pitbulls and Dudley start brawling around ringside, leaving the original four to start brawling once more in the ring, where Tommy delivers a DDT to Raven. The brawling continues out into the crowd with Raven receiving shots from the ironing board and a crutch. And the Pitbulls throw the Dudleys through a wall before Dreamer throws Richards and Raven through it as well. I know that, um, has that, has that wall been gone through before? Yes. Okay. It's like they, they just, they like, just, oh, we just plaster it over yeah, it every like, time. Oh, so like we just buy it. a new piece of drywall, paint it black, yeah. and you know, we'll, yeah. we'll break it again next month. Tommy and Luna drag their foes to the Eagle's Nest. But Raven and Stevie get the advantage until the Pitbulls arrive, which drive the Nest members to the back. The Dudleys then show back up to work over the Pitbulls until number one hits multiple chair shots on Snot. And the Pitbulls and Tommy lift Vashon on their shoulders to celebrate with the fans as they chant EC Dub. It's nice. The Pitbulls, uh, Pitbulls go baby. And uh, the Dudleys are all over this show. They're hot, hot on the scene. I almost wonder if this was, like, maybe, like, after the show. Like, this was actually what sent the crowd home, was this. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, the baby faces stand tall. Yeah. That kind of thing. Pitbulls turn face, bunch of people got their ass beat in all over the ring, uh, and you get a big ECW chant at the end of the night. We then go to our seventh match. The Sandman with Woman... Versus Cactus Jack for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. The champion comes out first. Foreshadowing. Hmm. But also, what a fucking long intro. I mean, yeah. Who this... does the Sandman think he is? Undertaker? <laughs> Where's Metallica? I know. I was texting Matt. I was like, this intro is so long. I think that maybe... It would feel less long if we actually could hear the Metallica song, but it's all changed on the thing. But like even then, it's like, I don't even love that Metallica song that much. That riff's still going to get old. But they're really milking it. And what did I tell you to do? Could have played it just myself. Just play it on Spotify when mm-hmm. he comes out. P. 
Peacock and WWE are not going to pay that much. No. no. Metallica, Metallica is uh, probably pretty pricey, I'd imagine. <laughs> Very. <laughs> Maybe Tony Khan would. He likes, he likes yeah, to spend uh, money on, on theme songs. So it seems like this might be a weapons match because Sandman has his cane. While Jack has his arm wrapped in barbed wire. Singapore and K- yes. Singapore cane. I believe they said something about it. The, just the Singapore cane versus, yeah, some sort of a weapons man. Forearm of maybe, wire. Maybe I missed that or something. I don't know. But. Oh, where was he originally billed from? Uh, Cactus Shooting consequences in New Mexico. Yeah, the fist of truth. <laughs> So, before the match gets started, Woman throws a drink in Cactus Jack's face, allowing Sandman to attack him from behind with the cane, hitting him several times before tossing him to the outside. Sandman then runs and leaps over the ropes, coming down with another cane shot to Jack's head. You know what's really scary? Sandman flying over the top ropes like that? He's doing it so much, and every he like barely makes it every time, and I'm like, man, you're gonna, your teeth are going to be in the concrete. But, I mean, he's still alive uh, today. So, it is what it is. But every time it happens, it's really scary because he's too big and he's a, about as agile as, I don't know, a baseball bat. Yeah. <laughs> we get more cane action until Cactus Jack fights back to hit a DDT and get in some of his own cane shots. Jack starts to tease that he's, gonna, that he's going to use the barbed wire. When Sandman delivers a chair shot and more cane shots, with even Woman getting a few in. Sandman then hits a DDT onto a chair, followed by a body slam and a slingshot leg drop for a two count. Oh, that's the sloppy slingshot leg drop. Sandman continues the punishment with a body slam and a flying leg drop for a deer fall, followed by a pile driver onto the chair. Woman has then brought out a strand of barbed wire, which the Sandman wraps around his body before splashing Cactus Jack multiple times. Nobody ever accused him of being smart. I mean, he comes out drinking and smoking. Sandman then charges at Jack on the ropes, only to be back body dropped over to the floor, which Cactus Jack follows out with a chair-aided elbow drop. Back inside, Jack pulls Sandman's t-shirt over his head, before placing the chair on him and hitting a second rope leg drop for a two count. We call it the reverse uh, cornholio. Cactus Jack starts using the barbed wire, but Woman has seen enough and jumps in the ring to cane Jack, but she is shoved back down to the mat. Cactus Jack then breaks her cane in half, allowing Sandman to recover to hit him from behind into the turnbuckle. I like that Cactus Jack he breaks it in half and then it looks like he's just going to jab her with the broken end <laughs> and it's like this is uh, a scary scary cactus jack moment but as jack goes into the corner he bounces backwards knocking the sandman into the ref ref bump a ref bump in a weapons match guys think about it there for a second <laughs> shane douglas then comes running down to the ring where he delivers an elbow on the ref as well to make sure he's out yeah. before pile driving sandman the franchise grabs the mic and tells Sandman to keep your friends closer and your enemies right by your side. Shane then grabs the broken cane and jabs it into Jack's face, allowing Sandman to crawl over to make the cover for the pin. 
And the win. Post-match, the franchise is telling the crowd to kiss my ass goodbye. When Todd Gordon comes down to the ring, and Gordon tells the ref to reverse the decision. When Shane gets in his face, telling him he will decide to stay in ECW if Todd will get down on his knees and ask him. So Gordon gets down on his knees. But then, instead of asking him to stay, he fires the franchise. You're fired. Leading to Douglas beating the crap out of Todd, ripping his clothes off. Sorry, Todd. Officials and other wrestlers come out to stop Shane, but nothing is working. Until 911 appears to choke slam the franchise out of ECW. Choke slam straight to Connecticut. Straight to, yeah, straight to a bigger paycheck. <laughs> Fun stuff. So, of course, Shane will move up north and uh, we'll see him trying to educate us in a couple months. Oh, Mr. Tedders. I'm excited. I'm uh, morbidly interested. I know it doesn't work out well, but I don't know exactly what it is. And by it, I mean, what job is he going to have? This is, this is a job era, right? Where you have to be a, a does, dentist. Do you, do you seriously not know or what Or a race is? car driver. I'm sure when you tell me, I'll be like, oh yeah, I've heard that, uh, but I, I can't. You've been given a clue as, uh, after what Matt just said. I know. I heard him. Going to educate us. Oh, yeah. I mean, is he uh, the new genius? Close. <laughs> oh, that's a rough one. Dean Douglas. Mm. Oh, my God. He's a principal of the College of He's your forearms? intellectual superior. Basically. The, the College of, like, of. The School of Hard Knocks. Yeah, the School of Rest Holds. <laughs> oh, my. Well, that's rough. Sorry to hear about it. Hope you bought a house for, with the money you made. Something. So we go to our eighth match. The public enemy of Rocco Rockin' Johnny Grunge versus the gangsters of New Jack and Mustafa Saeed. So I, I guess the cops didn't do a very good job of no. getting them out of the building, right? Well, maybe Alfonso well, they paid the, on their behalf. Yeah, they paid the cops off. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just... So Grunge takes the mic and says if there is anyone who doesn't like the sight of blood, guts, and broken bones to get the hell out because they're about to show everybody why they are the Mac Daddies of Violence. Gag. <laughs> yeah, it's a really lame name. <laughs> uh, I do love Did that... anybody else just decide to turn the show off at that <laughs> like, point? Like, Mac Daddies of Violence. You can't come up with something better than that. It's Johnny fucking Grunge. What I mean, um... Not a whole lot, honestly. I do love that they have the uh, mailbox that just says eat shit on it. It's like, <laughs> what would be a cool thing to write on a mailbox to use as a weapon later in the show? It's like, how about eat shit? So the gangsters hit the ring and everybody just starts brawling in and outside of the ring. I mean, what do you expect? Rock with a cookie sheet shot to the head of Saeed, while New Jack with a chair shot to Johnny. Mustafa throws Rocco into the crowd and beats him with a chair while New Jack is using a fan's crutch on Grunge before he retaliates with a chair shot. Saeed and Rock make their way to the Eagle's Nest while Johnny uses an umbrella on New Jack in the ring. For seven years of bad luck, maybe he's why ECW folded. <laughs> Rocco somersaults Sintons off the balcony 
onto Mustafa, who is on a table, while Grunge continues to use different weapons in the ring. Rock climbs back up to the balcony when Saeed joins him and suplexes Rocco onto a table, followed by an elbow to break the table. I mean, you did say that big boy did not make that table break that first time. That shocked me. I know, Mustafa is probably the biggest boy in ECW outside of 911. Like, but very possible. He's a, he's a large, large, strong man. New Jack, who's very busted open at this point, uses a billy club before hitting a flapjack across the ropes. But Johnny comes back with a mailbox across New Jack's head. Eat shit. That's uh, what the mailbox said on it. Rock and Mustafa still brawling in the balcony area while New Jack uses the umbrella and a big clothesline to knock Grunge down. Rocco goes for an Irish whip, only for Saeed to reverse, sending Flyboy flying into an industrial fan. I know. Seems kind of dangerous. I hope they made sure that little pin was closed up. Yeah, see, so I was trying to see for sure if the fan was on. I don't think it was. Yeah. No, I just noticed not. once it hit the ground, it was immediately off. There was no spin left to it, so either it was already <laughs> off or they it hit shit hard enough to jam itself. Someone has set up a table inside the ring. So Johnny, who's busted open as well now, lays New Jack on it and heads up top, coming off with a leg drop to break the table. That leg drop, he like lands on, he like lands standing up somehow. Like he like drops with like one leg and somehow, and I'm like, oh my god, you could have just like ripped yourself in half. <laughs> it was wild. These men with the slop like sloppiest leg drop in all of wrestling of all time. I'm giving it to the Sandman. Yeah. Second sloppiest leg drop? Might as well be Johnny Grunge. <laughs> if not him, who else? New Jack then fights back to set the broken table against the corner before throwing Grunge into it. Only for it to have fallen down, so Johnny just runs into the turnbuckle. Mustafa and Rock have made their way back to the ring, where the plunder gets cleared out, while Public Enemy works over the gangsters with frying pans, a small baseball bat, a keyboard, and a football on the floor. A keyboard. A football. <laughs> oh yeah, no shit. There's things the keyboard's hard plastic. It was like a like a like a Casio or a uh, or a Logitech. It's like a keytar almost. Oh yeah. cool. I mean keytar, that's those aren't those aren't cheap. I've dreamed of a keytars. New Jack with a flying clothesline off the apron onto rock, while Saeed is beating on grunge inside the ring with right hands and a power slam. He makes a cover only for Rocco to make the save with a frying pan shot before delivering the mailbox to 111 Scrotum Lane. Johnny then grabs a croquet mallet. He nails New Jack in the head with it, goes low on Mustafa with it, before going back to New Jack to continue the punishment. Rock then sets up a table inside the ring when Saeed comes back to choke Grunge. Rocco has placed New Jack on the table, and he goes up to the top rope, coming off with a moonsault to put themselves through the table, allowing Johnny to attempt to cover, only to be broken up by Mustafa. Rock is then thrown out of the ring, allowing the gangsters to team up on Grunge with a double back elbow, a New Jack headbutt, and mounted punches from both. When Rocco all of a sudden flies in off the top rope, with the mallet in hand <laughs> to the back of Saeed's head, making the cover for the pin and, and the win. win. So post-match, everyone 
starts brawling once again down the aisle. But after a moment or two, because the camera never pans down the aisle, yeah, it stays on the ring. Public Enemy runs back down to the ring, and they start dancing. The arms are up. Everybody's arms are up. And they start inviting their fans into the ring to dance with them. The enemy must pose. Until the show fades to black. It was kind of a cute ending, I guess. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, that match was uh, I mean, have you ever heard about when they were in Florida and they did this? Oh, yeah. The ring broke with all the fans in the ring. Oh, wow. I don't know if we'll ever see that show or not, so that's the only reason I feel like I've seen seen that footage before. Yeah, it's on most of the... If you watch any of the WWE, ECW stuff, it's... Yeah, it's like, it's it's synonymous with like the chair scene where all the chairs fly into the ring. Yeah. So... What it comes down to is, at Hardcore Heaven, it was Rocco Rock with the mallet at the 1500 Arena? Yes. Or in the 1500 Arena? So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Hardcore Heaven 95? If you want blood, you've got it. There was a wrestling match on the show. There There was was a wrestling match on the show, and it was good, and it had an angle. Uh, no, this show was easy to watch. I mean, it's just a bunch of blood. Which was a wrestling and match. I'm trying to remember. Too cold and Taz. That's right. Okay. Which I thought was really good, and I liked the inclusion of Alfonso and everything. It was that's this just that's just how you do a do a, a small program like Taz and Scorpio isn't like Macho Man and Hogan, but they you gotta do something with these guys. So it's nice to know that there's some at least some thought put into it. Especially because these two guys are deserving of thought put into it. And I, I imagine they put thought into the things that they're doing. Because they're not just covering their hands in glue and glass. Mm-hmm. Not that I hate that. I like some glue and glass every once in a while. Every once in a while. If there's another one in the next 27 years of us covering this show, it might be too soon. <laughs> yep. I mean, but Axel and Ian... Another excellent Ian match is too soon. That's true. We've had like seven in a row. How about you, Shane? What are your thoughts? My thoughts are... You dubbed out? Uh, there's too many Dudleys, and they're not necessarily making an impact, really. I mean, yeah, they, they use them at the beginning of the show and the end of the show, but... This is kind of their debut, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this show, I... After watching it... I I didn't dislike everything that I saw, but going back and going through the notes of it, I don't want to ever watch it again. (laughs) I'd rather watch Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. I'd 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 love to go watch Apollo 13 like 14 Uh, times. I'd rather watch the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie too. (laughs) Uh, But The, the biggest problem with this show is that everything is a brawl. Goes on way too long. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like, kind of par for drag the course, just unfortunately. Drag, slow just, show just kind of drags for me completely. Mm-hmm. They Unless, introduce a lot of, not, I guess they introduce the two re- things. Really, really, the Dudleys is the only thing that's really introduced. Pitbull's and, turn face. And, and the turn. You know what's crazy is, how many goddamn tag teams? Is ECW just nothing but tag teams? <laughs> At this point, there's like seven I of mean, them. somebody had to care about tag team wrestling, so. Is this tag team wrestling? I don't know. You get... <laughs> 
More bang for your buck. Yeah, yeah. this yeah. is the, uh-huh. the precursor to Teddy Long coming down and just making matches. Yeah. It's like if we all hit each other end. with a baseball bat, then then it's all then it's even. Then everybody's booked just as strong. I mean, I feel like this show is a complete waste of your time to watch. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's it's above some of the other ECW stuff we've watched, like early early ECW wow. stuff we watched. But well, not by much. If, if you're a, if you're a Cactus Jack um, completist, if you'd like, I mean, honestly, the Taz and Scorpio, not necessary. But if you're a super fan of either of those guys, might be worth your time. But remember, however many weeks ago it was, where we were watching one of the ECW shows and the crowd started chanting "boring" at an awesome match. Yeah. Oh yeah, that sucks. It seems like without those awesome wrestlers that were being chanted boring at, the show itself became very boring because I mean, they, they weren't featured on the show at all. A different view of that. Like some, we're sitting here being like, oh, I'm tired of all this glass and blood. Boring. I'd be and okay then, with the glass and blood <laughs> if it was anybody else fighting, but those well, two all constantly. Those, all those guys were off in Japan. I know. Yeah, but, but yeah, and it's just funny because yeah, I'll, I'll like, take glass and blood, but I'm I don't need to see Ian or Axel fight each other on a weekly basis. It's it's become WWF today, sorry E today, where you've got the same match every week. Only let's throw in a different stupid stipulation that nobody cares about and isn't really going to impact the match whatsoever, and it's just going to give us six. We minutes love of a TV trilogy. Time. We love a long feud, but you know why we like those trilogies and long feuds? Because there's three of them. Because they have starts and stops. They have, yeah, and then and, and there's only three of them. And they build in between them, and they don't do them every single week. And like, there's only three yeah, of them. Flair and Steamboat Two. <laughs> Flair and Steamboat Two was not a week later. They technically fought four times during that trilogy. We just it was a house show in between. Oh, uh, okay. That we didn't see. But yeah, either way, it still wasn't a week apart. No. Sorry, Ian. Sorry, Axel. You are neither Flair nor Uh Steamboat, and you never will be. I mean, of course not. But I mean... We want Flair, as the audience said at one point in the show. And don't we all? (laughs) Just don't we all? Good. Where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are some of the best moments of this show? Luna getting an ECW chant on their shoulders. I like the Pitbulls going face because I like the Pitbulls. Luna, to me, like, she held her own in that match completely. I mean, I know it's Stevie Richards, and Stevie Richards is one of the... And she's a Vachon. He has a, like, a reputation of being one of the easiest people to work with mm-hmm. in the business. Oh, really? I don't yeah. know that about Stevie Richards, but I love Stevie Richards because he's just... So he's just so natural at being Stevie Richards. Yeah. Like, he's just really good at the character work stuff. I mean, Taz, Taz and Scorpio, there's all, all kinds of Taz plexes. Taz plex, moonsault. Just suplexes, just left and right. You know what move I love? He no. The tumbleweed. Taz, I love the tumbleweed. Taz fucking no sold the tumbleweed. Yeah. That's I was what just like, Scorpio was like, I was just like, Holy fuck! You did not. <laughs> yeah. It's like hell yeah. You know what the you know how they they uh, decided that one. He, Scorpio was like, I am going over, right? And I'm like, yes, you're going over with like a chair shot, but you're going over. And he's like, okay, you can bounce up from the tumbleweed because right. I mean Scorpio's more famous than Taz is at this point. At this point, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's not you know, he's not a household name, but he's he's been on uh, he had a WCW run there for a sec. Raven at the beginning grabbing Stevie and Beulah by the hair and just 
escorting them backstage. Just uh, there was something out the way. He just it looked really good. Yeah, fuck this, and just like put his hands out and automatically automatically had a handful of both of their hairs in each hand. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. He actually looked angry. It wasn't like... He was like, all right, I think I got him. I don't think I'm hurting him. He's like, no, we're just doing this. No. Yeah. Uh, does Raven ever do anything? Yes. Eventually. I feel like he just doesn't wrestle. He just lo- like looks like he's... He looks like Eddie Vedder. That's the look he was going for. I mean, I know. He nailed it. He looks great. But it just seems like he doesn't do anything. That, that's Raven. Bring back Scotty Flamingo. He's got people to do that stuff for him. I know. I know that. I get the whole storyline and everything. I just... I'm just like, is he gonna do? Is he gonna do something? He does. He will. He'll pull you by your hair. How about most disappointing that we had a match with four jobbers just so nine one one could come out and chokeslam yeah. them? I mean, Shane Douglas leaving is kind of a bummer, especially because we know it's not going to work out for him. That whole promo was disappointing. <laughs> I mean, yes, it was. The, and we I had mean, a match four jobbers followed by a Hack Myers and Big. Val, Mally, whatever. Mally, Valley, Puccio, <laughs> yeah. Fat Fuck, we'll whatever him, you want to call him. We'll call him a pig pooch. Like, yeah. yeah, that was a... Most disappointing, like, the first half, third, whatever of the show. And then the last half, third, whatever of the show. There's some garbage stuff in here that I liked. I thought the gangster stuff, they did enough things in the garbage. Like, it'd go cut from one... With a camera in the nest, and somebody would do like a big move, and then the camera in the ring, and somebody would do like a big move. So that one wasn't boring. And then Cactus Jack and Sandman was very watchable because number one, Cactus Jack, and number two, you never know if Sandman's going to um, fall on his head. So there's like, it's it's kind of scary. Just it's like watching. Uh, jackass almost you're like oh i don't want to see anybody die <laughs> but but sandman looks like he's about to die with every quote-unquote wrestling move i guess actual wrestling move he does you know anything that doesn't involve a cigarette or a singapore cane how about um a cigarette on a singapore singapore cane match <laughs> first guy to get a cigarette and light it with cigarette on a singapore cane <laughs> on a pole match <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey, we we we're all fantasy bookers. We can't help it. Can we have Judy Bagwell as a guest referee, please? Wait, no. I think she passed away. I'm sorry. Rest in peace, Judy. Uh, best performer of the night. The Lunar yeah, Taz. I was for gonna me. say uh, Luna. Luna Taz Scorpio. Cactus Jack was just doing normal Cactus Jack stuff. Woman yeah. taking that push down bump from Jack. It looked good. Yeah. She like he really did push her down. Like it was not uh it was not a typical soft ref ref bump. No. She took a uh it looked like she a, took bump a Luna that bump. Luna, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say that same thing. It looked like something Luna should have been taken. But... Yeah, that was a Luna or Sherry Martell uh you know <laughs> back uh you know, uh back or flat back bump. How about most surprising? Uh, I was surprised that this is where the Dudleys start to show up. I wasn't sure when or why, and then I was also surprised I didn't that none of the Dudleys that I'm aware of were there. I've heard of Big Dick Dudley, and but I just like when I think of the Dudleys, I think of the little guy, and then Bubba, the, Spike, <laughs> Bubba, yeah, Bubba Spike, yeah, sorry, Bubba Spike and Devon. When I think of the guys, I can't think of their names. Yeah, but the little guy, I know the other guys' names, but you know, I know Bubba and Devon. I think they show up within the next few months. Yeah. To join the crew. And then they're like, oh, these guys can actually 
I'll like do a yeah, leg drop. They, be, they become the main guys in the group, so. Yeah, this was a, I um, wasn't expecting Bubba or Bubba. Middle of the road. I didn't realize that there were Dudley brothers before the Dudley boys. Well, they may have been the Dudley brothers all the time in ECW, and I didn't know. Didn't change it to the Dudley boys. Stevie until. Richards and Raven won the tag team titles in ECW because I didn't really watch much ECW back in the day. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's just like on. I like, think I, personally, like I think it was just getting the big belt, belt getting was the so belt, popular. We getting had the belts off of yeah. Public Enemy because they were going to fight gangsters. And... Yeah, they're going to probably fight the gangsters like five times in a, in a while for a while, and they're like, "Well, the gangsters are going to have to get a win a back win somewhere, and, and they don't want them." Yeah, the belt, I don't know if they're still working Smoky Mountain or if they're not, but that's I where they are. Yeah, but they, that's where they just came from at Smoky Mountain. Yeah. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish. Sting had held the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship for six months when he would meet Ric Flair on January 11th, 1991 at a house show in East Rutherford, New Jersey. During the match, the Stinger would take the Nature Boy to the floor with a clothesline, followed by slamming his head on the guardrail and timekeeper's table to bust him open. Once they made their way back into the ring, Nate with chops, only for Sting to no-sell and hit a gorilla press slam, followed by a Stinger splash attempt, only for Flair to have moved. The Nature Boy would head up top, but he was press slammed off, followed by a leaping clothesline for a near fall. Sting would then head up the turnbuckles, coming off with a crossbody, but Nate would pull the referee into the path to take him down, so there was no one to make the count. The Stinger would keep up the attack when the two men would bump heads causing a double KO only for Flair to fall on top. As the ref is making the count Sting would get his boot on the rope but Nick Patrick would never see it making the Nature Boy a seven-time champion. By the end of January Ted Turner and his company now called World Championship Wrestling had withdrawn from the NWA, but would continue to use the title belts, but changing the name to the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, making Ric Flair the first champion. The Nature Boy would hold the title until a disagreement with the company led to him leaving with the title in hand. WCW would then go into Great American Bash 1991 without a champion or a belt. Bum, bum, bum. Crazy. Rick in the WWF for a year. He had maybe a moment or two. Yeah, Underutilized, unfortunately, but, you the know. The real world's champion. That's of right. course. Bobby Heenan's world champion. Bobby Heenan is the world champion of my heart. That's right. For always. Next week, best of the Super Juniors 2. I mean, yeah, going back to Japan. You know we like these little guys doing their flips. Mm-hmm. They're not that little. But you know what I mean. We're, we're talking juniors. I mean, we literally talked about how we want we like our wrestling on our ECW show. And this is where some of those guys have been. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if, if, we, if we talk about how Scorpio and Taz was the best thing there, we're just going to get a whole lot of that but better all next week. So if you like wrestling... And are having aversion to blood, 
come hang out with us in Sapporo, Japan. Music from this week's show is Thunderkiss 65 by five, White five, Zombie. Five, yeah. And Public Enemy won our main event, so we play Here Comes the Hot Stepper by Annie Kamozi. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, na 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 recipes, hit us up on our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week. Slide up in the DMs later. Na 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 Ching, ching,